0: one second okay oh I think we are live hi everyone we are live hey. welcome to the second episode of what is school for on this show we discuss we debate and we disrupt education I'm really really excited about today's topic and with my dear friend Mike we connected through LinkedIn And we are here to kind of discuss how we can help our children more in love with learning with school again. I personally worked in higher education for 10 plus years. And one thing I noticed is, which is that that my own children and some of the students I talked to from other undergraduate curriculum is that they are not very passionate about learning. Mm-hmm. And in uh, like every time I announce, hey, we have a class consolation. <laughs> and I like yeah. Wow. Yeah. So which is very interesting. I'm really excited about today's topic and uh, Mike is an amazing educator at entrepreneur. and I can't wait to introduce you in a second. So before I get started, I want to give my uh, a quick shout out for big program that I'm actually launching right now which is an entrepreneurship immersion and for those uh, children between 18 18 years old to 24, 25 years old. So the program has online learning, which is um, entrepreneurship and also a physical immersion in Singapore. You know, Micah and I were talking about how important it is to still have that face-to-face touch that human connection with an educator So our physical immersion is going to be in Singapore. We have 10 speakers come to Singapore. We are going to visit the Microsoft, Adobe, HubSpot, and leading startup companies in Singapore. It is going to be a holistic and transformative experience for our children. If you are interested in the program, please enter me in the comment section. I will follow up with you. So thank you for allowing me to introduce my, my program. And now we can get started so mike is a uh, co-founder of guide which is an app to enhance learning which we are going to discuss later in the show mm-hmm. and also an award winning teacher, so many awards and right now mike works as a lead guide at alpha which is an independent and innovative school and which we are also going to discuss very soon and uh, mike is also a tedx speaker And I'm going to enter the link to his TEDx talk in the comment section. So feel free to check it out. And we are live on Facebook. Anyone join us on Facebook, let me know in the comment section. We're also live on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. And we're also live on YouTube and on Periscope. So if you are live with us right now, let me know in the comment section where you are joining us from social media wise and geographically speaking. And thank you so much for being with us on a Friday and to talk about school and education. Uh, welcome to the show Mike, it's so honored to have you.
1: Thank you, I'm so excited to be a part of this.
0: Uh, awesome, so do you want to add anything to my very brief introduction?
1: No, no, that is a great introduction. I really appreciate that.
0: Uh, of course, and I'm sh- there's so much more to what you do, and uh, I can't wait to learn more about you. So, are you ready to uh, get started with Let's our? Do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let me know if you have any questions related to how to rekindle our children's passion for life and passion for learning. You know, and what should we do at school and at home? And so, any question related to education, please leave them in the comment section. So for you, Mike, you taught uh, at quite a few different schools, public school, charter school, private school, for five plus years. And uh, and you became this amazing and award-winning teacher. But you were so many accomplishments. And you still feel like you were not serving our children the way they should be. So explain right. that to me. I saw that in your bio, and that caught my attention. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean by not serving our children the way they should be?
1: Yeah, so so I, you know I I became a part of um, a teaching fellowship and uh, when I, when I first decided I wanted to start teaching, and I, I loved this fellowship and I thought like, oh, like this is it. like this is the right way to do things. And as soon mm-hmm. as I actually got in the classroom, And I started putting some of the techniques that I learned into practice. I was I was I was shining in the eyes of my administrators and I was, uh, you know, I I was I was checking all the boxes. Everything looked good. Test scores looked good. And I remember having a conversation with one of my students at the end of the year and he said, well, school just wasn't very fun. Like I learned a lot. Like, thank you. Appreciate that. But I didn't like being here. I didn't love learning it. And I realized that that there was something to Words. that. There was something to the idea that you should enjoy school. And, um, you, you know, like, I feel like in the workplace, we focus on, oh, like, love what you do, be passionate about what you do. But we tell students, like, yeah, no, 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 like, you guys be quiet, and you just get through these years of uh, of, of, of education, no matter what it's like, no matter what uh, people tell you, just get through this. Like, you don't have to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started realizing that while, like, maybe we are actually teaching them something if they're not enjoying the process something's got to change
0: mm-hmm. i love this and it's very interesting that you mentioned this because when you think about our life and so many people are not really enjoying or are happy with their life where right. they are their job but they know that the common discourse that we hear just suffers through you know because life this is life and they will become so jaded it is so interesting to hear that among mm-hmm. the young generation because when you look at babies, my children are very young. They were so passionate about learning. Their attention mm-hmm. span is great on the things they're so passionate about, right? Like Lego, books, or toys that are really interesting. But then I teach in higher education. When you look at students in the higher education space, this is the look.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like
0: yeah. Wow! Nobody enjoys the journey. Nobody mm-hmm. enjoys. Absolutely. So, is that why you kind of shifted uh, your career focus a little
1: bit? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it it is, and 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 the the main reason is because I, you know, I, I tried to do things that were different and out of the box and, and and crazy. I mean, this one school that I worked at, I tried to build this like working aqueduct system using toilet paper rolls and duct tape, and I remember I like I got in trouble for this, and and the students were like, what, like. This is awesome like this is the most fun thing that we've done this year and my administrators are like breathing down my throat and yelling at me and I'm like like what's the problem like they learned they learned the function of Roman aqueducts which was a state standard and they actually got to build it and aqueducts, I mean yeah, like yes we got water all over the school but like whatever, you know, like, and so I, I started to do these crazy things. And I realized that there was there was actually something that was kind of magical in, in taking on these crazy projects that were like kind of ambitious, maybe even too ambitious, mm-hmm. um, projects that would make administrators and sometimes parents upset. There was something to that, because students loved it. They, they loved trying, they loved learning. And I, I, I learned that if I created a knowledge gap in those projects that was large enough, students would actually on their own, go back and learn what they needed to learn before they showed up to class that day. Mm-hmm. And and so I was just, it was just trial and error and me sort of figuring out and experimenting the best way that I thought that uh, education should be going down in my school.
0: Oh, I love this. It is so interesting to hear because I have encountered similar experiences where you feel like you were doing things that students really enjoyed. And right. you were actually benefiting their learning, their career, but somehow you got yourself in trouble. So what was the reason behind that? In what particular way that, you know, allowing our students to play with the paper or the way that the facility was kind of turned off for the admin?
1: It, I, I think it was because, because it was messy, right? Like the, pro, the, the process was messy. Like the, the, specifically with that project, like the Aqueduct system broke several times and in my mind when it broke i'm like this is awesome because that's a learning experience that's real life now you have to fix it and i'm not going to tell you how to fix it but in the eyes of the school it was like uh why aren't you helping them with this right like why are you even doing learning this
0: about Learning, right? yeah
1: like i mean i had a conversation a conversation with an assistant principal about it and the word was literally we bought you textbooks so you could use them It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like what like is you know, there's the there, nobody likes textbooks, nobody, <laughs> I I
0: and like lots of textbooks. I think it's such a great conversation. For like, I saw that my dear friend team is with us. We also have somebody from Pakistan join us live right now, always, uh, which is incredible. That
1: is and awful.
0: and, and I, I I think you know, like, parents, many of us, at least when I started this journey, of from, from my own children, because I'm not very familiar with the K 12 space, so we feel like if we just send our kids to an amazing school, to the best school, and we can just completely outsource education. On my personal philosophies, every parent should be involved in their children's learning journey and nobody should outsource education because no school is personalized enough to really meet Mm -hmm. the unique individuality and interest and learning style of your very own child. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's kind of my personal, it's really uh, interesting to hear some of the issues are kind of in the K-12 space, which is very similar to something I encountered, yeah. So share it yeah. with us. Like you like kind of that traditional teaching space, So what are you doing now? How are you disrupting education and making a difference in this space and help our children fall in love with this beautiful journey of learning?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm doing a couple of things. So the, one, one, the main thing that I'm doing is I, I'm working with an incredible team of people Um, We are, when the the analogy build the plane as you fly it, that is what we are doing. We are building a school as we operate it. Um, It is called Alpha. We're in Austin, Texas. And uh, we use adaptive learning software to replace direct instruction. And we do that because we find that the learning software, oh, you have that screen, up, which is awesome. Uh, The learning software helps kids learn the same academic content that everybody else is learning in half the time. So where the normal kids spend six to eight hours a day learning academics, our students only spend two hours a day and they are performing at the 90th percentile of all students their level. Okay. Get, yeah.
0: I have to stop you for a second. This is amazing. This is remarkable. I think this could just really liberate the entire educational system. So right. I want to just unpack this a little bit. So what do you mean by learning two times faster? So what right. are the specific software that our children are learning. So explain this a little bit more to us. So we yeah, yeah.
1: So, so, yeah, w- what you guys see on the screen, those are our three promises. We make those three promises to every parent that walks through our doors. Your kids are, <laughs> going, to school. Um, your kids are going to learn two times as fast. And so learning two times as fast means that we will, for 25 minutes a day, that's the minimum, 25 minutes a day per app, per subject area. So every kid has a math app, a reading app, a writing app, and a language app, and they learn through the app. So adaptive learning software, you are very familiar with it, even if you've never heard of it. If you've ever used Netflix or Amazon, you are using an adaptive software, right? So when you watch a movie on Netflix, you watch a television show on Netflix, Netflix will suggest to you other content that is similar. The way that they're doing that is that there is an algorithm that says, okay, Sally from Idaho, you watched um, you watch Stranger Things. If you watch Stranger Things, you might also like this movie or that movie. Amazon's saying, "Okay, I you bought um, uh, you bought this podcast microphone from Amazon. You might also want a podcast stand." Right, yes, so it's I taking.
0: i my money that way.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like they've used it for years to make more money, and it's it's like it's it's literally it's basic. It's input, and then based on the input, they give you a certain output. The apps do the same thing with education. If you ask me a question that's at fifth grade difficulty in a math app and I get that question wrong, it will put me into a concept that is a little bit easier that builds on the concept that I just missed. That process of pure practice with an instructional video or instructional text um, is a much better and faster way to deliver the content. Now, if you're a student that's accelerated, you don't have to wait on the class to catch up. If you're well, a student that is behind...
0: So, oh, class. Sorry.
1: oh, it's okay. If you're a student that is behind, then you don't have to uh, struggle to catch up in the midst of that class. You can be on your app on your own learning journey, right? So the apps cut down the overall academic portion of the day so we can get to that third promise that you guys saw, which is learning life skills. So we teach all sorts of wacky and crazy workshops um, in our school that you can't really get anywhere else, right? And so that's that's part of like, what makes us really special. Wow,
0: I, this is like so fascinating. And <laughs> I personally immediately have quite a few questions. So one thing, you know, cause I also, I am an advocate of digital literacy. Yes. I believe that. So like, have you ever, cause I, one thing I hear from many schools and even from parents, I know team, my different team asked me this question before. So where do you draw the line? like? between technology and our children, right? So I think mm. right now, a common assumption many people have is that like, children are very addicted to technology, they're very addicted to games, they're not having enough outdoor times. And uh, it's, so how do you kind of explain the with parent's fear of technology? And how do you kind of facilitate yeah. a, a, a healthier approach or adoption of this like amazing device?
1: So yeah, one of the things that I think people need to know is that the world is digital. Like, I mean, it just is, and and uh, there's nothing that you can do about it. It's not going backwards. It is only going to go forwards. Um, The second thing is to understand that, like, within our model and our context, and 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 even like at my in my house, like with my person with my own kids, if you can reduce the amount of time spent looking at the screen, then you've won, Mm -hmm. right? So we, we've actually reduced the amount of time that kids spend looking at the projector screen right, in the normal classrooms. So I think one of the things we talk about, we, we, we think about screens in the context of computer or tablet or phone, but we never think about the projector. I mean, think, think about how, how long students in a traditional school are staring at a projector as teachers cycle through PowerPoints, That's true. right? It's eight hours. So if you actually think about that and then you, you compare it to what we're doing at Alpha, we've actually reduced the amount of screen time that students are spending anyway, because the second half of the day, kids are in workshops that are led by human beings. They're out and about in the community, downtown at the, at the library, at the park, do, you know, doing some crazy project. Um, that doesn't always involve technology. So um, on that front, I think we're winning. But even, even if you, you, you find yourself on a screen all day, I really do think it's about the value of the stuff that you're intaking, right? Like, like for, for example, if, if a kid were to sit and do Khan Academy for eight hours a day, whatever subject they are on, they are going to get better at that subject. But if you binge watch Netflix for eight hours a day, right, you might not necessarily be growing in the same way. So it's about the quality of like what you're doing with that screen. Like I'm less worried about, like I'm just, I'm just not concerned about kids looking at screens because they're gonna do it anyway, number one. So I think we need to figure out how to maximize and use that screen time uh, productively.
0: Well, it's such a great point. I never really thought about it this way, you know, like even when students are sitting, even like younger kids nowadays, they sit in the classroom you front have a huge projector to learn the basic like ABC, mm-hmm. that screen time. That's so, right. Can you kind of repeat how much time that each kid is spending on a particular app? I know you mentioned that earlier. But right. I just to Kind of uh, like conceptualize it a little bit more.
1: So we only require during the school day kids to be on each academic. So we have five, five subjects that we, we, we think are core subjects. Math, science, reading, and language, and then computer science. They only have to spend 25 minutes across each one of those apps each day. The reality is that kids do more because they love it, but it's all voluntary. There's no grades here, right? So so we we create incentive systems. We create all sorts of reasons for kids to get excited about doing the apps, but the minimum is 25 minutes per app per day. So it's 125 minutes of academic work.
0: It's like this thing. It's like nothing. So, so each app students is completely like self-paced on demand. So if they are slow, you know, slow learner for some subject, so they can kind of review. They can go back. They can control right. the pace. Whereas for some other kids, if they are in the event, they can go faster. Is that right?
1: hmm Yep. Absolutely.
0: Uh, personalization.
1: Yeah, exactly. My like God. almost completely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so what are some of the software that you guys use? You mentioned. Yeah. Software that means-
1: yeah. Um, and and so you, I know you're a big fan of digital literacy. One of the apps that I want to make sure that I plug that I love. There's this app called Literal that, that we use. And Literal is an app, uh, literalapp.com. It is an app that takes books like Frankenstein or like Romeo and Juliet, and it translates the book into a text message format because they're finding they, that kids will actually read more, and they will read more often if it looks like the medium that they, that they like the most, which is text. So we use Literal. We use an app called Newzella uh, that, that curates... Uh, current events content, and uh, buckets that content into lexile levels and grade levels, and it will move a student up in difficulty as they get better. Uh, we love this app called Freckle. Uh, Freckle is a math and science app. Um, we obviously we use Khan Academy. We like uh, Newton a lot. Newton is uh, Newton is normally used for college students, but we use it for our upper middle school and high school content. So uh, mainly for some some sciences, chemistry, and bio.
0: Wow, this is amazing, this is amazing. I love this, and uh, thank you. I you are asking questions, so thank you for this question, and thank you for joining us, Mario. I'm going to ask the question in a second. So is there a place where you have the list of the apps? Because I definitely want to check them out. I also want to give them a shout out on my Facebook platform. So do you have a, like, a, a link to those apps, um, or? W-
1: So we don't have like a website or anything, but I will send you, uh,
0: I have my own
1: personal sheet. I'll
0: send it to you. Please, please, yeah. So kind of uh, just like I want to show the. So you have, okay, we kind of discuss, learn faster. And what are uh, some of like, maybe this question I want to ask you now. So with this kind of like online learning and the full up, like almost like in person, hands-on projects and Mm -hmm. immersion. So are those students who love this? who,
1: again, are they excited about coming to school? They love school. Wow. They, they. I mean, I, I, th- this is going to sound crazy. And, and I, th- I always tell people, if you don't believe me, the next time you are in Austin, Texas, come by. We're, we're in school until the end of June. Come by and see this for yourself. But I'm t- there are kids. We're, so our school is K through 12. There are younger students that are age eight, nine years old. And the only way their parents can punish them is by telling them they can't go to school. Like, like that is how much kids love this place. Oh, my God. And, and like, I will show you the students. I will bring you to the students. I know it's, like, there's people that are probably listening. They're like, that is not true. Like, I know it sounds crazy. It is, it is crazy. It's nuts. But there are kids at this school that you have to punish. The only way you can punish them is by keeping them away from this place. This is how much they love it here.
0: I'd love to connect with some students and get some students on the show if you don't mind. You know,
1: absolutely. As as a matter of fact, we so to 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 my point about life skills, one of the life skills that we want to build is actually for students to learn how to communicate over live video because this is part of the future. This is where this is where the world is going. So absolutely, I would love it if we could get students on the show.
0: Amen. Oh my god, this is such a Don't even get me scared on this. This is such a important missing link in our like again i'm not familiar with uh, k-12 but in our higher education curriculum digital literacy, mm-hmm. live streaming talking to the camera engaging digital storytelling is such an important skill and even right. you know, so many schools it's just bad technology i was like you know technology is not the root of the problem how does exactly right? How, you, right how hard it is if you are bending this how can you even help children to be prepared to develop these skills and school is the only place for they the new world but So, oh, this is also, awesome. I love, love, love this. Mm-hmm. So, like, we kind of, I saw this question from Mario, and uh, so he was asking about life skills. So what are some essential life skills that you are teaching our our students and how you are, like, evaluating them? You mentioned that you have certain incentives to do right. them exams, I assume. So how do you do the evaluation part if you are replacing uh, exam schools? That's yeah, a great yeah. question, I love
1: it. Yeah, yeah, so that I'll, I'll, I'll hit on each one of those. So for evaluation and exams, uh, the way that we evaluate and rank our students is by using the MAPS test. And the MAPS test is, is used all over the United States. It is um, normally geared towards common core standards. Uh, more than 8 million kids in the country take the MAPS test every year. Um, And that is how we are able to say that our apps work and that this model is working and that we know that we're moving in the right direction. So at right now, what we know is that 67% of students at Alpha um, are above the 90th percentile on on at least one or more subjects. 25% of students at Alpha are in the 99th percentile. So that like these students are regular kids from regular homes performing at the top of the nation, um, and so we use the map as the as the the, the like overall assessment, but in terms of like the day to day like how do we assess what they're learning it's just effort they're, like we we have detached i q from academic performance it is just effort we we track the number of minutes that they spend in every app um, and that that sort of coincides with um with uh, the, the other question that was asked which was like, how do we motivate them? So I coached basketball for many years. And uh, one of the competitions that we used to have on our basketball team was uh, this competition called Beast of the Week. And Beast of the Week went to the player that like maybe took the most charges in games or the players that shot the most free throws uh, after practice. And so when I got to Alpha, I knew I was like, hey, I can adjust this competition and make it about apps, right? Um, so we, whatever kid spends the most minutes across all their apps in the week, they win this award called beast of the week. And all they get is their picture on the wall and they get this baseball bat that I bought, right? Like we bought this baseball bat, they sign their name on it and they hold on the bat all week. And you should see these kids, I mean, like they hold the bat over their shoulder and walk around the school, right? Like it's this point of pride. Um, and so that like we, the first winner this year did, she did in a week, in five days, uh, she did uh, 2,500 minutes, right? So she did nearly 40 hours of work in the apps and it was all voluntary and it was detached from her IQ. It was only the effort that she put in. And so that's the types of things that we like to incentivize. Um, and now I think the last part of that, it asks about like, which, what are the essential life skills that we, that we teach? Um, and so life skills is a mixed bag because if, like like if you ask a, a room of 10 people, like what are life skills? They'll all give you different answers. But there, but there are some big ones that everybody kind of always agrees on, and, and they're uh, communication, you know, financial literacy, you know, competitiveness, creativity. And we have elements of all that. And so our life skills curriculum is twofold. Our program exists in three parts. We have the core skills part, which is the apps, um, and then we have an individual project board. We've created hundreds and hundreds of projects that students can choose from based on what they're interested in. And the projects build all kinds of essential skills that we think are really necessary. So for example, everybody talks about how kids should be competitive, right? But if you ask somebody, how do you teach competitiveness? They'll say, well, I have no idea. Well, what we do is we put two kids in an elevator and we say, great, the first person that touches any button loses. And then you'll figure out who's competitive, right? If you want to teach grit, give a kid an ice cube and see how long they can hold the ice cube. The kids think it's fun it's a challenge but they're learning these skills and as you talk them through what is actually happening in their brain which by the way i'm a big proponent of brain-based education um talk to robin Schulman about that um but when you talk to them about like what's going on in your brain and what's going on through that process then like they will learn grit they will learn what competitiveness feels like right um and so we we, we all we, we create all sorts of wacky projects all sorts of crazy workshops the workshop that I just got done teaching, um, I was teaching kids how to flip stuff on eBay. And then they took the money that they made from their eBay flips and they started their own business. So we've got kids running like a natural natural um, like lip balm business. There's a business called Buddy Boxes where like, if you get broken up with, they'll pack the box with all this stuff and ship it to your house. Um, I have one student that started his own VC firm with oh, the that money that he God. made from eBay. He made money on eBay, and then he started financing other businesses. And so he owns parts of these other companies within the school. And these kids are making real money, and they're actually running businesses. They're getting scammed, they're losing money, they're making bad deals, right? But they're also making money. They're learning from getting scammed, yeah, right? are right.
0: real life. Oh, yeah, I'm-
1: yeah. Like, how do you teach financial literacy if kids don't have any money?
0: Exactly. And right. the worst way to teach financial literacy is sitting in a classroom, taking some exams, answering some questions, regurgitating some information, Absolutely. and returning the information to the teacher after a semester is over. Oh, mm-hmm. I love this so much because I think learning is the inside out journey. Learning should be personal. So oh, a lot of students can do that personal connection with the subject matter it is only short-term memory. I give you everything. they are not going to much of the information that they learn. This yeah. is so fascinating, oh my God, yeah. I'm so, you guys hire, I need to go to big school.
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 we are looking for the smartest people in the world. So, uh, oh, when, listen.
0: This is amazing. So what are the, the the background of the teachers that you guys are having? Like, do you call them teachers or facilitator? What do you call them?
1: So we call we call ourselves guides. Um, And what is remarkable about this group of people is I, I have never worked on a more talented staff in my life. Um, Not everybody has an educate, an education background. Like, you know, I taught for, you know, five years before I came here. Um, But one of our, like, like one one of my favorite people to work with in in the building uh, is, is, is my buddy, Elliot, who, like has this extensive background in, in, in literature, but he's never taught. And, and as soon as he got here, he was able to relate to kids. He was able to build projects, right? Um, Elliot is an essential part of our program. Another person I want to like give a shout out to that works at Alpha is uh, my, my, my boy, Oliver. Oliver Jennings graduated from Columbia University with a degree in neuroscience. he had never worked with, with kids to this extent, as far as I know. And he works with some of our youngest learners. And so you just think about like this idea of like this dude from Columbia with a degree in neuroscience, and he is working with seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds, right? It's incredible, but he's amazing at what he does. Uh, and so I re- really, I think this is one of the most talented teams of people I've ever worked with. They're all different backgrounds, different work histories, different ages, different, you know, walks, all that. And um, and so I it, it takes that, like it takes to pull something like this off, you have to find the most talented people from every corner of the globe, honestly.
0: Wow, I, I really love this. This is just like oh my God. So fascinating. It has given me <laughs> so much hope for the future of the education. And That's the uh, hope. Yeah. So what is up like what have been, how long have you been working at this school?
1: So this is my second year here.
0: So what um, has things, like really surprised surprised you some like Surprising things that you discovered in terms of children learning.
1: Wait, can you, can you say that one more time?
0: Well, what are some things that are really surprising that you discovered after oh, yeah. here for two years?
1: Well, when I first when when I first got here, I thought I was like, "There's no way that we are going to be able to pull this off without grades." It's like you have to grade kids; they have to be evaluated. But I, but you, you, I, we have not given one single grade, right? Like, I, you, you don't need it. I've also learned that you, the best thing to do when you're teaching any skill is to break that skill down to its most simple and basic form, right? For example, if you want to teach grit, pick up an ice cube and see how long you can hold it, right? Like, you know, set a time limit for yourself. Like, those things seem silly and crazy and out of the box, but really, it's, it's just the most basic form of that item, and then we can scale up from there, Right? So I, I I think I've learned to simplify learning in a way that makes sense, but nobody's doing it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, this is this uh, is really fascinating. So, do you have any alumni information? So, after they graduate from the school, so where do they go next? Do they go back to digital school, or they can start their own ventures? Or, uh, if you have any information,
1: we have no idea. We nobody's graduated yet. Oh
0: <laughs> like, wow! Yeah.
1: Our oldest kid's like 15, so we don't know. Uh, we don't know what's gonna happen. Our hope is that they go off and live incredible lives, right? Our hope is that some kids decide to go to college and crush it. And some kids decide, you know what? I don't wanna go to college. I wanna go start a business, mm-hmm. right? And 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 we hope to be able to connect kids with all of the people that they need um, to be able to make the best decision ever. And And I think that if we made this global effort, honestly, To think, not even not like I don't even think everybody should do what we're doing at Alpha, but I think everybody should do something different. And if everybody is doing something different that makes the most sense for their community and their people, and 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 trending towards the future, right? I think teachers should be futurists. Everybody thinks about the the world the way it was or the way it is currently, like. I had this conversation yesterday with someone who was like, yeah, when students drive cars and I was like, are you kidding me? You teach fourth graders. Those kids may never, ever own a car. They may mm-hmm. never drive a car. Right. And, and so I think that, uh, you know, if, if we all globally commit to that, right, like we commit to this, th- like it, it doesn't have to be Alpha. It could be it, it could be any other schools. It could be and will be Classroom Without Walls. Right? It will be your school. Right. So, I but I think that that effort is necessary on the part of all of us to really make this change.
0: Oh my god, you have no idea. Every single cell in my body is like, oh my god, public. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited that we're having this conversation to know I that need to. there are so many people like you, like, disrupting the traditional system. I know, you're like, I'm like, always really surprised to this. So much our children love, love, love learning, we right? yeah. all have that innate desire to learn, to grow. But somehow, Absolutely. the evaluation system, the stress you love in going to school, slowly and softly killed that inner desire to learn. But mm-hmm. what I hear from you is like, all those children, they're like, I need more, I can't wait to get more. Yeah, it's like so important, you know, like music to every single teacher and Parents, <laughs> years. I
1: here. hope so.
0: Yeah. So you have uh So let's talk about you a little bit more. So you and your wife
1: mm-hmm. have
0: decided to homeschool your own children. So share yeah. that kind of decision-making process with us. Was it hard for you to make that decision, or kind of a natural step?
1: No, it it was hard. It took five years oh. to make that decision. So our our oldest child is five and when he was born one of the first conversations that we had was okay what are we gonna do about school because I was a teacher and my wife was like I don't know babe I want to homeschool and I thought "Uh, no I'm a public school teacher you cannot be homeschooling and I'm over here teaching the public school it doesn't work that way and we argued for years I mean was it private school was it independent school was it homes we went back and forth for many years so th- there was many conversations where we had to say, you know what, we're gonna leave this on the table and we're gonna walk away from this because I love you and you love me, right? Like, uh, and in the end, my wife ended up being right, um, which is another moral of the story is that your wife is always right. Oh, um, I actually, I,
0: I was hoping to show my, my, like, my, my cup, but like, oh, I have, yeah. my wife is always right, but I don't have that mouth with me
1: today. It like, is. is your wife, hashtag. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> um, uh, she was right about this, uh, and so what we ended up doing was combining what, what I learned from Alpha and my wife's desire to homeschool to see if it worked. So we're, doing, we're, we're homeschooling our five-year-old, our four-year-old, and our two-year-old at the same time using adaptive apps that scale down to their level, and they are able, like my four-year-old is extremely, she's, she's very bright, she's accelerated. Um, and she's able to go as far and as wide as she wants and doesn't have to wait on the other two. Right. Uh, you know, my five year old is more advanced than my two year old. and He doesn't have to wait on her. And, and the other thing is, as a homeschool parent, it takes the pressure off my wife because now she doesn't have to be this super teacher and super mom at the same time. She can just be super mom while she outsources the teaching to the apps. And she's she's building like we're going to carve pumpkins tonight. The kids painted pumpkins. Like they're, they're doing arts and crafts. My kids feel more confident. They're happy, they love learning. I get home and for the first 30 minutes of when I get home, they're telling me about what they learned in the apps. <laughs> like like my, my, my daughter's like walking around like, oh dad, that's a five, that's a four, that's a B, that's this word, that's that word, right? And it, it, it's incredible to see at such a young age because I work with the oldest kids at Alpha. I don't get to see the young ones in action, but now I get to see how adaptive learning software and this model and just doing something different, how it sparks learning in the youngest of kids,
0: mm-hmm. which are my own. Oh my God, I prefer to steal this model myself. This is like fascinating. And I think yeah. one problem in our educational environment is like mass production, standardization, a very important thing is this personalization. I work in higher education, sometimes, like at my own school where I just design, all classes are small, but like 30 students, like I taught at big state level university, like 300 students, 200, so I'm very, very, very common. So can yeah. really personalized. Like two weeks ago, I had uh, my my friend on the show, he and his wife, they have nine children. And well, yes. Yes. What he told me is that every single kid learns differently. Think about it. They all come from the same parents. Mm-hmm. So they are so different. Imagine the students in our own classroom right. from different parents, different families, different cultural, racial, different, whatever background they come from. And we expect them to learn the same way, the same sequence. That's not even make sense at all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fathers. So I love how they can personalize this. This is really, this is really amazing. So, is this kind of the path? Are
1: you want to continue for the right? About- so they, um, they w- we're going to let them choose. So we decided instead of um, instead of choosing school for our kids, um, we would present them with the first option, which is, "Hey guys, like this is what school feels like. You need to learn some things before you make a decision." And then we're going to let them shadow at Alpha, and they'll decide whether or not mm-hmm. they want to go to Alpha. Um, and what I, what, what I from knowing my kids, what will probably happen is that my oldest, my, my five-year-old oh, yeah. boy will say, I wanna go to that school. And my daughter, my four-year-old will say, nope, I'm gonna stay at home. And so that's fine with us. She'll stay at home, she'll keep doing the, our homeschool version of Alpha, and my son will go to Alpha. And, you know, and, and if, if they decide to switch later on, whatever, um, I, I think, you know, we're learning now. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people are leading this charge in the career world that you don't necessarily have to stay with a company for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're learning that, uh, that that you can stay there for three years and move if you're unhappy. And and it's, it's it's not bad. So I think school should be the same way. If you try public school and you're like, oh, don't really like public school, go try something else, right? So that's what we wanna introduce for our kids as well.
0: Well, I really love this. I just shared the link uh, in the comment section. Everyone, if you're interested in checking this out, definitely i'm so so what's the uh, age range for this school
1: alpha is k-12 k-12 oh, wow
0: yeah amazing i can't wait to have the the first the cohort of alumni to see how they are doing out how they are changing i don't think they, i don't know yeah I'm, I'm interested but i think they are going to make big changes big ways yeah me too yeah. Yeah. yeah so besides alpha you are also the co-founder of another i don't know how you have time for this Okay. And, uh, you are also the co founder of another app right. which is called, hold uh, on, let me share this screen. Here is, yeah, uh, right, it's called Guide. So, yeah. so tell us more about this app. What is this app about and for whom and talk space for educational purposes?
1: So, really, really quickly, um, Guide is a response to, like, what I was saying earlier, is that I don't like, I don't think that necessarily everybody has to start a version of Alpha or do Alpha. Um, but I do believe that life skills are essential. And we've optimized for that at Alpha. And so it's one of the ways to, to create life skills education that every student can access. My great friend, Tim Salau, and my great friend, Taban Cosmos, and I um, joined forces before we had ever even been in the same room. We did this all on LinkedIn. And we built this app. Um, Taban is one of the most gifted software engineers I've ever met in my life. We went from zero to app in five months. Um, what? Five, five months. It was the end of April when we started this. We, we built an incredible team around us. And the, the there's nine of us in total, but uh, three co-founders. Uh, we have been blazing this trail And we believe that God is the answer for life skills education for every high school student in the nation. Like in the United States, we really believe, and eventually the world, we believe we can be global, but uh, if you can house life skills education in a similar platform to look like a TikTok or like an Instagram or whatever, and you can convert some of the kids' online screen time to learning life skills um, that lead them to internships and jobs and careers in college, then I think that we can really help kids win in the future of work and the future of education. So that's, that's why we're doing this.
0: Wow, I love this. So explain this a little bit more to us. So how can students cultivate their life skills from watching, like I think they will be watching the videos, right? So how, Right. Like adults class from like life skills and watching the videos. So how can that happen?
1: So at a very fundamental level, learning anything is a matter of content delivery, acceptance of the content and execution. Right. So we we are providing the delivery and acceptance. So um, we are delivering the content through micro video content. So our our clips are going to be 30 seconds or less. Um, and then, uh, so you, whatever skill you're teaching, let's say you're teaching cooking, you'll break down each step into 30 second video clips um, so that they're digestible, so that they're shareable, um, and so that kids can access them on demand. Um, and then we, we're going to see what kids are going to do with all of the knowledge that they've learned and gained from guide because kids are going to be posting on our social and sharing internships that they just landed with us right um and so a lot of this is going to be us building strong partnerships with with um large and small companies um so if you have an internship that you're trying to train kids through please hit me up i would love to talk to you if you if you are somebody who works with the Bold Internship at Google, hit us up. We would love to, to partner with you guys and create you know, some pathways to your internship through our app um, because we're, we we believe we'll have access to most high school students in the United States um, in the next five years.
0: Well, I, love this. I think it's, this is really also powerful for, for homeschoolers, right? Absolutely. Like, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm interested in connecting with other entrepreneurs like yourself. That's why I love to show that yeah. for us, I think we have, we are kind of a unique uh, demographic. who want to homeschool our children, not for like religious purposes, for some other purposes, but really because we right. are dissatisfied with the current educational system. I, to. I think this app can be a great way to nurture a unique community of parents like us who really value Outside the classroom and then to cultivate the life skills. Yep. So this is so the app is free, right? So
1: everyone can download. So yeah, when when the when we launch officially, the app will be free in the app store, and then there will be other levels of uh, premium options that you can buy. Um, uh, we I think we've set the the homeschool option at five ninety nine a month. Um, so for less than Netflix, you can access our entire library of life skills content. Um, and, and, so, and that's really the vision. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned homeschool because number one, I think something that you said is so key is that uh, most people should be homeschooling uh, if they decide to make that choice because the current system has failed to deliver on the promises that it made. And I think that, that everybody agrees and everybody knows that the current system, the traditional school system, public and private is failing to meet the goals that they said they would meet for us. And because that's the truth, we should divest from those systems and create our own. Whether that's homeschool, independent school, whether it's homeschool cohorts, whether it's online school, whatever it is. So um, we we hope to be a solution for especially homeschool parents.
0: My colleague, more with you. And actually, after I launched this show, I started to have conversations with lots of uh, entrepreneurs, and uh, I was so surprised, and also not so surprised to discover actually lots of entrepreneurs they homeschool their children yeah I mean, that's a big you know telling factor to show and i came out of the education background and we also came out of the traditional education So i think this is a choice from us who inspire those who give this like at least even if you are not thinking about homeschooling but at least be more involved be more invested yes. don't outsource your children's education right i like, mean, every single parent that i know it is so important. No school is really good personalized enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're like this has been such an amazing conversation. Just wrap up here. So uh two quick question. So what do you see? What does school mean to you, Mike? What does going to school mean to you? What is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of learning of school?
1: Yeah, so for me, I believe education is so important. And I think that school in general. Can be a place where you launch students into the future, and so on. My in my like in my personal story, I am only five foot eleven, and I love basketball. But I knew very early on the NBA is not something that's going to happen for me. I'm not going to play professional basketball, um, and and so through teachers who cared about me and through my mom who was an educator, I learned that that education was the key to my future, and not in the sense that it was the key to becoming a lawyer or a doctor, I, if I learned how to learn, I could become anything, right? Like, like today I could pivot. I could walk away from this career today and go learn how to do something else, learn how to be something else. And that's what educate, for me, that's why school and education is important. Mm-hmm. If we can teach kids how to be whatever they wanna be, then, then, then honestly, I mean, like it's, it's, it's the most powerful force on earth.
0: Oh my god, I love this. It just reminds me of the futurist uh I think he mentioned the illiterate of the 21st century. It's not those who could not read or write, but those who can not learn un-learn, and learn and So right. I just want you to know how to learn, you know, how to unlearn for me. I have mm-hmm. to face the redo the damage, Right? Yeah? How to unlearn what I was doing past yeah. and relearn. And uh, so I love that, yeah. So my last question for you is, if you had the amount of resources and money that you need to design a perfect school, how does that school look like to you?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, it looks a lot like Alpha. Mm. Um, if I had the money and the resources, I would design a school that looks like Alpha, but also um, I, I, I believe very strongly um, in the idea that schools should be free um and alpha is not at this moment is not free and i and i do believe we have the capability to build free models of this school if we need um but i believe that school should be free because i i i i think that to commoditize learning um the most basic forms of learning i think it's it's I think it is almost oppressive, and I, I believe that everybody should have access to this. So I would make a version of of, of Alpha, a version very similar to Alpha that is free. I, but I also believe that the school, you know, especially in the United States, especially in the Black community, the school used to be the, the hub of the neighborhood. It was where things happened. Like it, it it meant more than just textbooks and standardized tests. Mm-hmm. And I want, I feel like school and community center should be synonymous. Right. I I feel I I would love to create a place like that. I'd love to create a place that is a co-working space on the top floor and a school on the bottom floor. Right. So you you can drop your kids off and go build your business or go have your meeting or go do whatever. And you know that they're down there learning to change the world while you're upstairs actually changing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I, you know, I, I I. I, I, I've got a million visions, but th- that's, that's- that's. I amazing.
0: love that. Actually, that really made me think, you know, I also the way I designed classroom without was is also for more parents who are working remotely and they can kind of personalize the curriculum and to have that uh, physical immersion. I think we need more kind of visionaries like you to see that as we have more parents who are working remotely and who are also yeah. hopefully. So how can we like create like models that is tailoring to this kind of a family unit, right? So right. I love this moment. And Even before we started your live show, you and I were talking about even like uh, locating locations, right? Have, why do we only have a fixed classroom, right? Like a right. prison, right? Can so we right. lo- rotate different physical locations, different factories, different like industries. And I think that would be really like yeah, learning beyond the classroom. But that will involve communities, professionals, and maybe that's how we can make learning quality education free for everyone, not only for yeah. rich people, but mm-hmm. we have this like corporate, like sponsor everyone we love to really make this available. After all, they also need the tenants from all those schools. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. This yeah. is amazing. Mike, you are a rock star. <laughs> Thank so you. Listen. Besides everyone, I share the link in the comment section. So please make sure you download the link and check out Alpha. And I will also share the app that uh, Mike mentioned earlier that you can allow your own YouTube platform for uh, learning self-paced learning. So where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Mike, share with Yeah,
1: that. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm the number one Mikey Yates on LinkedIn. There's a lot of us, but I'm number one. <laughs> uh, connect with me. Uh, and also on Twitter, you can my, t- my Twitter is at just Yates like just is in there j-u-s-t mike yates let's
0: do it yes
1: um so yeah that's it
0: (laughs) awesome awesome i will also make sure to enter the link uh in the comment section and uh, everyone can follow him and next uh friday the same time same location i will have have my dear friend jacqueline on the show and oh you know her right she's next level oh my oh come on come on Mike. you are next level too (laughs) So she's doing some incredible work. She's also a TEDx speaker with her daughter, and she has a unique perspective on education and being and serving. Uh, I just love this lady. So I can't wait to have a conversation with her about ways that we can discuss, debate, and disrupt education. So I hope you can join us next Friday the same time and same location. And thank you so much again, Mike. You are amazing. And thank, thank you so you. Much everyone else who are who joined us live. Yeah, thank you. Bye.